Hello, and welcome to season two of I'm Sorry I Can't Don't Hate Me, the Sex and the City review podcast from two series first timers. I'm Megan here with my co-host Christian, and we are so excited to be back after our season break to just dig into this next season. A lot has happened over the past few weeks, but we're ready to get back to it. This week, we will be recapping, reviewing, and rating season two, episode one. Take me out to the ball game. Uh, warning for our first time listeners and a reminder to our many, many loyal fans. If you have not yet watched the episode and you want to press pause on this podcast right now and go watch and come back. We go very deep into each of the episodes and there is a 100% chance that there will be spoilers. So if you don't want to know from us, go watch it. Before we jump in, Kristen, I think just generally, how have you been in life in these last like six or seven weeks? I've been good. I've really been missing the podcast though. I'm so glad we're back. I know. I know. It's been fun. Everyone's been like, are you still doing that? And I'm like, we are, we're just on a season break. Any really big updates, anything exciting to share? No, <laughs> the weather is getting warmer. Things are going really well. You and I have somehow both managed to avoid getting COVID. So I know it's wild. Now that I say that maybe we'll both get sick, but hopefully we can be outside more and things will be good. Well, the only, I mean, I have had some updates, but the big one is that I got a new cat. Yes. And this I'll, is a very recent update. This happened know, this week. I know. I'll save it for my highs and lows. But yeah, speaking of highs and lows, Kristen, what were your highs and lows this week? And which character were you channeling? So I had a pretty good week. Just been really busy with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Highs. I am fostering kittens again. I cannot That's stay that. away. I have two adorable baby kittens. We should put the pictures up in the podcast because one especially is like picture perfect cute. So just kind of highs. They're just really, really cute. I love them. They're good boys. And the weather's nice. So that's another high. Lowe's, they both got a booster and one of them got really sick. And with kittens, when they sneeze a lot, their blood vessels break in their noses. So they'll start sneezing blood. So it's really fun to wake up and find a blood covered kitten in your bedroom. Oh my God. And I don't do well with blood. Yeah. It looked like somebody punched him in the nose and it was like broken. It was a lot of the saddest thing I've ever heard. It was very upsetting because I'm like, I'm failing them. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That was yesterday. Today he seems okay. Less sneezing. Hopefully they'll get adopted in the next four days because I'm going away on Friday. Yeah. Exciting stuff. I think I'm channeling Charlotte because she's the most nurturing one. I've been trying to be very nurturing this week between my cats and some other kind of personal things, just sort of being supportive and understanding. I don't know how much nurturing we actually see Charlotte, but I think for this, who we're channeling, we kind of go by like the stereotype. So I yeah. think I'm a Charlotte stereotype. I don't know if I'm a Charlotte in practice because she's kind of a bad person so far. Yeah. I mean, they, they all are <laughs> a little bit. So I also have a high that is cat related, which is that I got a new cat. So Niles, my boy that I've had for a couple of years now has a sister. Her name is Jean Parmesan. If you are an Arrested Development fan, you will get the reference. And she is just turned one. She is just a bundle of energy and she's really funny and very cute and super clumsy. And it just really makes me laugh. And I think the best part is that she and Niles are already getting along really well. 
cats are sometimes a little bit weird about other cats, especially in their home. And they've both just kind of been a dream, to be honest. Lowe's, I honestly, it has been a really good week. So the only low I can really think of is just, you know, with two cats, there's extra work. And the first two days, you know, we had them separated. We, me and the cats, I love we that. had them separated. So, you know, I was trying to split my time between the two. So when I was with one, the other one was crying and vice versa. And I was just like very tired because I didn't sleep all those first couple of nights, but we're getting into a routine and it's good and it's settled down quite a bit. So it's been really exciting. Kristen, we're twin Charlottes this week for a very similar reason. (laughs) Because we love our kitties. Yeah. I've been feeling very maternal to my cats and we think that Charlotte is probably the most maternal. She's definitely the one that has baby fever of all the gals. And I guess we have kitten fever. And so for that reason, I am a Charlotte this week. I love that we both are hardly ever Charlottes and this week we're twin Charlottes. So that's, I know, I guess without the podcast, we've both thrown ourselves into cat parenting. It's true. It's true. There'll be some variety now that the podcast is back. Now I am going to have things to do. (laughs) Now I have to go out and be social again. (laughs) I know. I know. So before we jump into the recap, Kristen, do you want to touch on some of the research for this episode? I do. This is the first episode of season two. It's called Take Me Out to the Ball Game. It originally aired June 6, 1999. And it has an IMDb rating of a 7.6. This is tied with the highest scoring episode from season one, The Drought, which was the farting episode. (laughs) So that bodes well for season two, I think. And the Rotten Tomatoes score for season two is actually significantly up from season one. It was 44% for season one. It's now 60% for season two. Again, It's a good sign. Bodes well. Bodes well. (laughs) Um, As for this episode, it was written by Michael Patrick King and directed by Alan Coulter. Is that how you would pronounce that name? Yeah, it's spelled the same as Ann Coulter. So I assumed that it was Alan Coulter. An unfortunate last name. I don't think they're related. Well, that's good. So he is mainly a TV director. He has also directed two movies. Hollywood Land and Remember Me. I like the direction in this episode. We'll talk about it more. Remember Me, I think that was the secret 9-11 movie, right? I think so. is that the one with Robert Pattinson? Yes, where it's yeah. like the whole movie is about their love story and, at the end and then he dies in 9-11. He's in the building and then it's like, oh, the office building is the World Trade Center. It's September 11. Now he's dead. <laughs> But I do think both artsy kind of movies. He also directed a lot of HBO shows, nine episodes of Sex and the City, 12 episodes of Sopranos, Boardwalk Empire. And then he's also done episodes of The X-Files, Law and Order, and House of Cards, along with some other shows. Guest stars, we have a repeat appearance, as we knew we would, by James Goodwin. He plays James, that's Samantha's love interest from the end of season one. And then we also have Mark Devine. He plays the new Yankee. He seems to be a bit part actor. He's done a lot of the standard acting gigs like Law and Order, CSI. 
Most importantly, Megan notes that we need to mention he was in the critically acclaimed film Masters of Disguise with Dana Carvey. Maybe it's famously bad. I think it's one of the like lowest rated Rotten Tomatoes movies of like history or something. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I definitely know a lot about it. And how terrible it is. But he only had a bit part role in Masters of Disguise. So if you liked his work in this episode, maybe find the CSI episode he was in instead. So then also we have Robert T. Bogg. He plays Charlotte's love interest, Paul Erickson. He has a pretty extensive IMDb, but it's all small and bit parts. Nothing noteworthy except he was in Chicago Fire and Law and Order. Boy, Law and Order really keeps all actors in business, don't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have I told you the story about when I saw the bouncer from the bar I used to go to in an episode of Law and Order? And no. I was like, oh, my God, that's Tracy. <laughs> it feels like anybody that's trying to get into acting in New York will be in a Law and Order episode. Anyway, I think with that, it is time to jump into the recap. All right. Megan taking a stretch. She's getting ready for this one. Getting ready. I'm warming up. You know, apologies if I'm rusty. We haven't done this in a few weeks. So the season premiere starts with a panoramic view of pre-9-11 New York skyline. Carrie is walking down the street in her same giant faux fur coat from last season, smoking her normal cigarette as she talks about the likelihood of running into your exes in such a small island like Manhattan. They're incredibly high, and the odds are that you will be looking bad when it happens. That line actually gave me a laugh. I know. The probability of running to your ex when you look like shit is way higher. (laughs) I know. So as the monologue continues, Carrie keeps like imagining that she's seeing Mr. Big on the streets, but they're all actually men that look nothing like him. It's kind of funny. It's like they're just literally white men, and she's like, oh, my God, it looks like Mr. Big, and they don't. But it's funny. I mean, that's his appeal, right? (laughs) I guess. We flash back to Carrie in her apartment. She's smoking another cigarette, looking sadly out the window. Her buzzer rings and Miranda with a wild hairstyle, I have to say, and Charlotte come in and they tell Carrie that they're going out. Carrie reluctantly starts to change and get ready. And we learned that she and Mr. Big have actually only been broken up for a month at this point in time. But we also get confirmation on how long they dated, which is one year. Yes. Longer than I thought they dated. I made a Um, whole list on my notes, which we'll talk about, of things I've learned about season one from this episode. Season two, I know. So in classic Charlotte fashion, she's got her kind of rules that she follows and She kind of spouts this old dating adage that it takes half the amount of time that you dated someone to get over them. So since Carrie and Big dated for a year, she still has five months to go. Miranda, on the other hand, is just like, no, get over it. Cut your losses. And then she references her own mystery man that like we've never heard anything about. This man named Eric, who she claims when they broke up, she was completely fine afterwards. That is not what everyone else thinks, but apparently they dated for quite a while and she thought he was like the love of her life until she found him cheating on her. So they start walking down the street. Miranda tells Carrie that she's overdressed for where they're going. And Carrie is basically like, you can never be overdressed after a breakup because what if I accidentally run into Mr. Big and I'm not looking my best. They talk about how terrible it is to see an ex for the first time after a breakup And Miranda unhelpfully reminds Carrie that she was the one that broke up with him. 
which unsurprisingly does not make Carrie feel any better. The girls then get into a taxi and they head over to pick up Samantha. It's revealed that she is still dating James, her not so well endowed boyfriend from the end of last season. And as they pull up, James walks Samantha to the taxi. He's being very loving and nice and tells her, I love you, have fun. And, you know, she looks really happy until he kind of turns away. And then Charlotte comments on how great everything is going. And Samantha's basically like, even after two months, she's still unhappy with James's small penis. And she's not happy in the relationship. We flash to the girls at Yankee Stadium. That is their surprise destination. Carrie is day binge drinking beers and smoking cigarettes while Miranda is clearly the only one that is at this game and cares about what's happening. Miranda excitedly tells the girls that the newest Yankee is coming up to bat and he's like very hot and single. She rambles on about his stats and as she's kind of going on this kind of monologue about his sports stats, Carrie starts to think about what her own stats would be for dating in New York. 10 years in New York, Five relationships, one serious relationships, all have ended in breakups. Not a great batting average, I guess you could say. While she's kind of doing this, she accidentally catches a fly ball and it's very exciting. And everyone's like, what are the chances? And they made it seem like it was winning the lottery, but I feel like it can't be like that rare. I asked Mitch about this. If they're in the nosebleeds, like all the way up, foul ball, like that would be, that would not happen. Okay. Think right. about a baseball stadium and like how hard. a lot of plot holes here. Yeah, that I, they made it sound like they had the cheapest seats all the way back, and it looks like they, they are. Did. But it, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's a big deal for where they were sitting. That's fair. Okay, that's much better than my assumption, which was just like this is not that rare. I don't know why they care. The game ends, and the girls go and wait outside of the Yankees locker room, which they're able to get into because Carrie has a press pass, and they're trying to get the new Yankee to sign her fly ball that she caught. Samantha, unsurprisingly, is very horny, and she's just eye-fucking all of the hot baseball players in their cups and just being kind of creepy about it. The new Yankee comes out and Miranda excitedly asks him to sign Carrie's ball, to which he obliges. He kind of takes a shine to Carrie. It seems like he was intrigued by her lack of interest in sports. So he kind of thought that was funny. And then, you know, he starts walking away and Carrie's like a little tipsy at this point. So she decides to just kind of go out on a limb and she chases after him and invites him to the Dolce and Gabbana party that she's going to. Miranda is like mildly jealous and she's like, what the fuck? You're rebounding with a Yankee. Like you should be rebounding with a CPA, which, ew, why? No offense to the CPAs listening, but. And she said a balding CPA. Yeah. I like, I don't know why that would have to be a rebound, but. That is Miranda's idea of a rebound. So anyway, Miranda's a little bit jealous. And then Samantha sneaks into the locker room so she can see all of the naked men and ogle their dicks. It's weird. And like, I did not care for that, but okay. We flash back to Carrie and she's back at home typing away. Now that she's sobering up, she's starting to wonder like, oh, should I really have done that? Wondering whether Charlotte is right and that she should just kind of take time to wallow a bit and get over the breakup. And this sparks the thesis of her new article, What Are the Rules of a Breakup? So we flash through talking head scene. It's all people that are at a baseball game, unclear on whether the same one or just a general baseball game. We start with a man who's kind of spouting some toxic masculinity thing. And his rule is that 
no matter how much the breakup hurt, you cannot cry afterwards. Otherwise, you'll be known as the guy that cried because of a breakup because apparently that's a bad thing. The next woman says you shouldn't contact them for three months because that's the amount of time it'll take for you to lose the weight that you've gained from the breakup. And then we see one of the Yankees in the locker room who basically says like, give her whatever she wants, but don't sign any contracts. And then I think the last person is just like delete all of his contact information and like run and hide a classic talking head scene. I'm surprised that we're still seeing that in season two, but anyway, Carrie is getting ready for her date while she's getting ready. She accidentally stumbles upon a picture of her and Mr. Big in bed, both looking very happy And it makes her a little bit of a sad cat and she vows to get rid of all of the pictures of them where he looks sexy and she looks happy. Seemingly having pushed these sad feelings away, we cut to Carrie and Charlotte at the Dolce & Gabbana party, which Carrie says is a wild success. They are seemingly on a double date, Carrie with the new Yankee and Charlotte with her new boyfriend, Paul Erickson. And he is an executive from a jazz recording label. He and the new Yankee talk jazz and like contemporary music and that kind of thing. And on the surface, this man seems like kind of the perfect guy for Charlotte, but as always, he has one fatal flaw. And that is he is always openly adjusting his dick in public with like just no shame at all. And so while Paul is talking to Carrie, she sees this and she's kind of like, and looks away. And when she looks away, she thinks that she sees Mr. Big again, but it's another mirage of a not so similar looking white man. Carrie and the new Yankee leave the party. And as they're walking down the street together, we find out that his name is Joe They share like a sneaky little kiss and, you know, this is Carrie's first kiss since the breakup and it's at like the four week mark. So she's kind of feeling a little bit better about things. We cut to a scene of the four gals at a diner together. Charlotte is reading the newspaper and she sees Carrie on page six with Joe, the new Yankee. And Samantha basically says that big is going to see this and want to die Miranda tries to change the subject and show the girls her new Palm Pilot, which like, what a love that. But the girls are still caught up talking about Mr. Big and Carrie seeing each other for the first time since the breakup and how it's like kind of really satisfying that the first time he sees her is going to be in the newspaper with this like great guy. Miranda asks why they're still talking about Mr. Big. She's just like, yeah, he hurt her. He sucks. Like, why are we still talking about him? And she wants to change the subject. So they're all kind of silent for a little bit. And then Charlotte shares that she's having problems with her boyfriend and Miranda gets annoyed and storms off to go get the check. So Charlotte starts to share the problem with Paul to Samantha. And she's like, oh, I already know about his junk adjusting problem. They are kind of debating about what the issue is. And Samantha suggests that it is because he has low hanging balls. Charlotte says she doesn't know that though, because they've not yet slept together. And then Miranda comes back, asks what they're talking about. They say they're talking about Paul's balls and Miranda becomes visibly upset. And she basically scolds them and says like, we're four smart, interesting women. Like, why can we not talk about anything except men and kind of storms off. And, you know, we'll get to this a little bit later. I see her point a little bit, but also it feels a little unnecessary. Also, I love that none of them really react when Miranda gets upset either time. When she storms off to get the check, they just continue the conversation. And then I kind of feel like she storms off the second time and leaves the restaurant. They're just like, anyway, back to Paul's balls. (laughs) 
That's true. It's a which, weird dynamic. It is, which kind of implies like, oh, this is just another one of Miranda's things, I guess. But yeah, exactly. She just, just does that. Yeah. No one seems really phased by it. You're right. So anyway, we flash to Samantha and James having sex. Samantha has decided that instead of breaking up with James for his small penis, she's going to try and coach him like a seasoned coach training a rookie. So lots of baseball analogies and metaphors in this episode. We then see what feels like, I don't know, to me, it felt like a really excruciatingly long sex scene where she's like trying to train him to be good at sex, regardless of the equipment he's working with. And so I don't know. It just felt really long. And it, it went was on for really cringy and awkward. And I was like, I can't wait for this scene to be over. But it's seemingly unsuccessful. Samantha is not finishing and decides to bring a vibrator into the equation. And James is like, well, would it be more fun if it was just us two? And Samantha reluctantly turns it off, does not finish, and is dismayed. Meanwhile, back at Charlotte's place, Paul is over and she tells him that she got him a present and she bought him a pair of boxer brief underwear from Barney's in hopes that this present will be a solution to his junk adjusting problem. And he does not take this gift well at all because Charlotte's not like super clear about like why she bought it for him. So he's just kind of like, wait a minute, like we've not even had sex yet and you're buying me underwear. This is too fast. The implication is like, why are you trying to mother me? Like, this is weird. And Charlotte doesn't want to tell him the real issue. And so he breaks up with her right then and there, ending their three-week relationship. And we're told that in classic Charlotte fashion, she was over the breakup in one and a half weeks, which was half the time of their relationship. Oh, so it was like in classic Charlotte fashion, she abided by her own rules. I thought it was, as I previously mentioned, that Charlotte is a psychopath who breaks up with these men and feels no pain. Okay, so yeah, yeah, so she's playing by the rules. Thank you. I'm glad you called that out. (laughs) Yeah, no worries. So we cut to a scene of Miranda. She's feeling stressed. She decides to go for a walk to unwind. She walks by a woman crying over a man and kind of like rolls her eyes and like is feeling really self-righteous. Like I'm the only woman in New York who has any real perspective on men. So she's kind of on her high horse for all of like five seconds. And then she happens upon her ex, Eric, with his girlfriend, the woman that he left her for. Miranda totally freaks out and she literally runs in a very awkward fashion. That night, Carrie's out at a dive bar with Joe, the new Yankee. He's trying to teach her how to catch food in her mouth, which I thought was like kind of funny and cute, actually. She obviously misses. She turns around to apologize to the person behind her who is hit with her bar peanut. And as she does, she sees Mr. Big, but it's the real one this time, not just a general white man. You know, this really illustrates one of the breakup rules. Don't ever stop thinking about your ex because the second you do is when you see them again. Mr. Big comes over. Carrie feels surprisingly calm when he does. You know, she's she kind of feels like she's coordinated the perfect first meetup after breakup. She's looking really good. And she's with the new Yankee who, you know, is objectively very impressive. They have a very perfunctory, polite catch up. And she goes to introduce Joe 
to big, but big basically says, Oh, I already know who you are. I'm a big fan. And, you know, he turns back to Carrie and tells her, yeah, I saw your picture in the paper. You've never looked better. And then walks away. And he almost looks a little bit sad and just like kind of a look back scene. It's in slow-mo. And I think it's just to illustrate Carrie slowly processing the weight of what has just happened. And she starts to get a little bit upset. So Joe and Carrie leave the bar. He says that he has friends at a bar in Bleecker and they decide they're going to go. He leans in and kisses her. And as he does this, Carrie starts crying. She tells him that Big was her ex. And yeah, I'm just not ready for all of this and tells Joe to leave. And he's kind of like, I don't know what to do. So he's just like standing there, like trying to not be a jerk and be supportive, but also like is a man. So a little bit emotionally inept. So Carrie just decides that she's going to leave instead. Carrie goes to a payphone and she makes a call saying she knows that things are really weird between whomever she's speaking to right now, but she needs to talk to them and asks them if they can meet at quote unquote their place in 15 minutes. So to the audience, it really seems like, oh, she's calling Mr. Big. She's had a moment of weakness, but then she gets to the diner and the person she's actually meeting is Miranda, which I was very relieved by actually. She tells Miranda like, hey, I know you don't want to hear about Mr. Big and this breakup, but like, I just saw him out in the wild and I completely fell apart. And, you know, I know, I know you want me to be over it, but like, I'm just not ready yet. And as she's saying that, Miranda kind of cuts her off and is like, listen, I have been a huge jerk and this no talking about men thing is nothing to do with you or the girls. It is literally my own thing. And basically, I don't think she says the words I'm sorry, but they're implicit. She then tells her like, oh, she ran into Eric on the street the other day. And even though it had been two years, she felt really upset and ran away and she was like, I forgot what it's like to see someone after after a breakup and just like how bad that feels. So the gals then sit together and they eat cold diner fries and, you know, are both a little bit, you know, sad cats. And Carrie basically ends the episode saying the most important breakup rule is that you'll never get past it without the help of your friends. And that is the end. Yay. Kristen, what were your thoughts on this episode? I liked this episode. I did too. Like, I was I didn't, surprised. Yeah, I didn't like love it for any particular reason, but it was way more watchable. And when it ended, normally I'm like, we're in 22 minutes in, eight more minutes. When this one ended, I was like, oh, it's over. Okay. I know. No, I felt the same. I thought it was super enjoyable. You kind of touched on this at the top. I thought the directing on this one was really good. He did some like yeah. cool stylistic things that I think really helped to illustrate like the emotional turbulence of after a breakup. I think especially like I was talking about it in the recap, like the slow-mo scene. Yes. Uh, so I was that like, was oh, a that's a really good touch. I like that. Because what you mentioned in the recap, so Big is there and he puts his hand on Carrie's shoulder mm -hmm. and then is like, you're doing great. Good for you. And then walks away and it like goes to slow-mo and you hear just a heartbeat, like the music fades down and it's just yeah. like Carrie's heartbeat. And it really feels like, okay, well, like it's actually over. Like he's not coming over to win her back. He's going on with his life yeah. and like it's done. And it's and sort of like the reality. And he looks a little bit sad, but like he's happy right. for her. Even though I don't like Carrie and I don't like Mr. Big, you do kind it of feel that really relatable. Yeah, exactly. I really liked it. And like, I, I think this episode just like particularly resonated with me. I'm, you know, not a, I keep saying sad cat. I said it like 
at work the other day and now I keep saying it. For the listeners that don't know, I not like super recently, but relatively recently went through a breakup like a few months ago. So all of this just felt very relatable. I wouldn't say this episode was like overly funny or, you know, whatever else, but I think the subject matter really resonated with me. And I also just liked a lot of the directorial decisions that were made. I have said this probably a couple of times on this podcast, but you would be surprised at how often you run into exes and people you've dated in New York. It's way more often than you would think. So the fact that this entire episode was basically about that, I I felt really validated. (laughs) That's how Big and Carrie met is that they just kept running into each other everywhere. So like, I think it's very justified. I mean, Carrie's, this show is very overindulgent to Carrie, but like, in this case, she was right to be worried about it because they definitely were going to meet up with at some point. Yeah, for sure. I think the only thing I was kind of like, eh, I could have done without the sports metaphors, but that's just because I'm not a sports person. It was actually very consistent with the theme. And I think, you know, like even the, the idea of like breakup rules, like that ties into the idea of like it being a game. So I kind of did. It. I did like that. I really hated the sex scene where Samantha Ugh. was being a coach. I, I hated that too. Hated it so much. I, you it know, wasn't. I watched this episode three times and the last two times I was like, I have to fast forward through this. I cannot watch it. It's so cringy. Same. I just muted it and looked away. I don't need to see all that. It was also so bad to retouch on some of the things we talked about in the last episode of sort of the season one issues we had we Mm -hmm. finally do get a scene of like hot semi-naked men but Mm -hmm. then they make it so gross because samantha is creeping on all those players in the locker room i know and like i don't know if there was like maybe if she had seen it by accident but she was like no she was actively looking yeah her head in the door and like looking at them like they were not consenting to that one guy like catches her and like they're not into it it's like can i help you yeah it's just creepy and weird yeah yeah i don't know i I didn't like that. Uh, I have a question for you. I just want to get your thoughts on this. Why do we think Miranda was so bitter about everyone talking about men? Like I had a couple of thoughts, but I I would love to hear your thoughts. I mean, I don't think she's wrong where she said we're smart, successful women. Why can we talk about nothing but boys? The way she was trying to like jam it into the conversation like Carrie's picture is in the paper with the new Yankee like that's worth discussing that's a big deal at that point that she decided to get upset didn't really make sense but overall I don't blame her I don't but like it was clearly something else right like it just felt really out of place I think the idea she's still wearing her overalls I think she's still in like drought phase Mm -hmm. I think she's just kind of not into like dating at the moment (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. She doesn't have anything to, to contribute to that conversation. And see, yeah, I was also wondering if maybe she was like a little bit jealous of Carrie going out with the new Yankee. Oh, you're right. Because she does have that line when Carrie says she just asked the new Yankee out. 
that I thought was being like, because they love the show itself loves Carrie and she's so wonderful. Where she was like, you can't yeah. rebound with a new Yankee, I which I was taking as like, oh, Carrie, you're just so great and wonderful. I know. I took it that way the first time I watched it. And then the other two times I watched it, if you look at Miranda's face, it's like, no, she actually looks upset. And it's like, well, you could have gone and asked him out, but you didn't. And also, I don't know. It just felt weird. Like he's someone semi-famous, like no one has dibs on him. You know what I mean? So that was kind of my thought. And like, you know, I totally agree. Like I have known people where like the only thing they talk about is guys. Uh (laughs) You're laughing because you know who I'm talking about. Uh And it's fucking exhausting. It's like, first of all, stop expecting me to remember all these dudes' names because until someone lasts more than a few days, there's no point in me remembering. And second of all, you have other things going on in your life. Why is this the only thing you want to talk about? So like that I can relate with, but I just felt like the timing of her bringing it up was really weird. Right. Like I understand during the baseball game, all they wanted to do was talk about boy stuff. And I could see how she would be annoyed by that because it's like the whole point of this is for Carrie to not think about it. But at the restaurant, they actually had things to talk about. Carrie was in the paper. Like they really need to discuss Charlotte's boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. Your romantic relationships and sexual relationships are an important part of your life because we're humans. So like, yes, there should be conversation about it sometimes, but all the time is when it kind of starts to feel like a little bit annoying. So what did you think about Charlotte buying that guy new underwear? It was ridiculous, but I actually really love that scene because I think that's what this show has been trying to do all along with like every guy that like Miranda and Charlotte have dated where it was truly insane. She just gave him a single pair of like a designer like generic they weren't Barney's right why wouldn't you go to Walmart I mean they weren't even like Walmart but no but exactly though like their designer underpants they look like they weren't like super sexy or anything they were just like very like the kind of thing you would buy for your partner and just like put in their underwear drawer because they need them and like you're the person that does the shopping yeah and it was insane that she would do that but then his reaction is not why did you buy this for me? This is insane. His reaction was, you're already shopping for me? (laughs) This relationship is moving too fast. And I love that. I just love that there was like no conversation about like, why did you buy me this underwear? Like that's a weird thing to do. Yeah, because that would be the appropriate reaction is like, that's really weird. Why would you buy this for me? And then maybe she would be like, well, I noticed you're like, touch your junk a lot. And that would be like, that's still not a healthy way to approach that issue, no. but like that would make more sense. But they're both just being crazy. And I did like it because it's like, okay, yeah. nobody's forcing anybody into having weird sex. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not gross. It's just like, oh, okay, these are two dysfunctional people being dysfunctional. Uh-huh, and it was uh-huh. funny to, that they both reacted in such weird ways. I did think it was pretty funny also. How do you think you would have approached it? Like in my mind, I probably, I don't know. The old Megan probably would have just not said anything and just like ghosted or something. The new Megan that has an emphasis on communication would probably just be like, hey, it's a little weird that you keep adjusting 
yourself in public like is everything okay like do I need to know I mean that's what you have to say yeah yeah (laughs) well also the fact that they haven't had sex yet and she's buying him underwear like that's really weird right it's a very intimate quote-unquote gift to give someone and it was weird (laughs) it was so weird I but I did like it because it was weird in a fun way Yeah, for sure. I think that was one of the funnier parts of this episode, in my opinion. I agree. I think you touched on this a little bit. I actually felt like a little bit sad for Carrie when she ran into Mr. Big. Yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of that was due to the direction. Yeah. it Like, you really feel the punch in the gut, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling. Like, it's really... Because she builds it up of like, oh, I'm going to run into him and I have to be good. I have to do all this stuff. And then you do. And he's like, good to see you okay, have a great life and walks away. And like, that's it. I know. I know. Last time you see each other. It's like the perfect situation for him to run into you. But then it's also like, oh, wow, this is really done when that happens. Yeah. I will say SJP is not really good at acting like she's crying. No. That was very bad at like that scene. Yeah. I mean, she's like trying to get the Yankee to leave her alone. Yeah. Well, even... In the last episode of last season, she was crying, but like, I feel like that might be a weakness of SJP as an actress. I don't think she can cry on command. No, she's good at acting like things are awkward. Awkward not so much and uncomfortable. Sad. Yeah, that is tough. But maybe we'll see that progress. Who knows? Maybe. I feel like this is going to be an emotionally turbulent season for Carrie just because breakups Fresh and shit are hard. Breakup. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that we see Carrie on the phone and you think she's talking to Big and then it's actually Miranda. I was like, oh, that was good. Good one, Alan. I like that because I like how they play up. Your friendships are as important as your relationships. And it is like, yeah, you're having a fight with somebody and you need them and you meet up with them and it's not always going to be a romantic partner. I know. I liked that from a writing perspective, especially because like just like cliches and stuff, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you're always like calling your ex in the rain, like sad. Yeah. I was like, yes, I love the way that he did that. I thought it was written well and also directorially stylized well. You know what I liked about that when they what? did meet up? It was what? a shout out to me personally and my call out from last season about Cynthia Nixon and SJP eating the food. Oh, yeah. So we know that Carrie asked Miranda to meet her in 15 minutes at their place. Yeah. And Carrie gets there. There's fries on the table. She picks one up at the end of the scene, eats it and says, these are cold. cold. And Miranda yeah. says, who cares? And it eats one back. And I feel like that's a call out to them always eating the food, even when it's cold. Because yeah. it doesn't work for the scene. Why would the fries be cold? And why would she say, I don't care? Other than there were probably props and SJP ate one and said, oh, these are cold. Yeah. And they were like, let's leave it in. I liked that too. Also, I've had this theory since last season that Miranda is Carrie's favorite. And this to me reaffirmed that. Speaking of things that were directed solely at me, clearly Michael Patrick King took a time machine to listen to our episodes on season one and then went back to write season two because I went on a bit of a rant in an earlier podcast that I couldn't believe that none of the women had been in a serious relationship before. Oh my gosh, I thought about that too when that came up. I was like, Kristen just went on like a tirade about that. At the beginning of the episode, Miranda says, when I broke up with Eric, 
I was over him just like that. And I was like, yes. And then they caveat it with Carrie saying she never talks about Eric. In other words, of being like, that's why she's not brought him up in all of season one, Kristen. <laughs> it was so sensitive, funny. okay? So, um, so I'm actually glad that they realized that and now they're building some backstory. Because sure. we also know that in 10 years, Carrie has had five relationships, but yeah. she says one real. One serious so, one, oh, one serious, which was big. Which is big. I also, sorry, this is going back to the diner scene again. Mm-hmm. I also really liked the writing of Miranda just kind of being like, this was my own thing and it had nothing to do with you because like most of the episode I was like, Ooh, Miranda's feeling a little villainy to me this week. Mm -hmm. And then that scene happened. And that was like, in my mind, like redemption. She was there for her friend. She realized she was out of line and she like acknowledged that she was out of line. Yeah. So I really, I really liked that as well. Overall, I think the gals were good friends to each other. Charlotte was very supportive of Carrie feeling sad. And Miranda initially was like a little iffy about it, but then came through and like, well, and you know, she's the one that came up with the idea of let's take Carrie to a baseball game. She's buying the ticket. She's coordinating everything. Exactly. Exactly. Just like the way that Charlotte and she, Miranda approach things is like different, but they both have Carrie's best interest in mind. And like Samantha was a little bit too self-absorbed this episode. Well, we'll get back to Samantha. She was honestly really terrible this episode the talking heads are back which is an interesting choice that i was very surprised to see keep thinking they're gonna be gone and then they're there every episode Mm -hmm. like has there been one with no talking heads yeah there was one or maybe two we learned that miranda's a huge yankees fan which i'm curious if that'll come up again yeah I liked that she was like a sports fan. Like I don't care about give sports, some interest. but like, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, they could have gone with the stereotype, like all oh, women hate sports and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, they're giving her dimension. Like she likes, like yeah. she, she clearly like actually likes sports. Like she follows the stats and all that stuff. I kind of liked that actually. I did too, because they really, other than like shopping and brunching and dating, they don't have any individual interests. So I'd like to see more of that. Yeah. I guess there were like scenes from season one, like how Miranda is on like the corporate softball team and stuff that I guess could have hinted to that. But this really showed like, no, she's super into sports. Like it's actually a big part of her life. Yeah. The last thing I have is to mention, I don't know if we want to start doing a count. We had Valley of the 20 something guys where Carrie said she wasn't going to date a 20 something guy. The new Yankee is definitely in his 20s. I don't know if that actor was. If you're a, oh, yeah. just up from the minors and you're a hotshot baseball player, like you're, you're going to be 25 max. Yeah, I do love that. Harry keeps saying she's not going to date men in their 20s, and then she does. She dates a lot of them. And well, that's like how I always say I'm not going to date scrubs anymore. And then I do. That's not true. So. You say you're going to marry a scrub, though. That's true. That's like a joke. You're going to date it. You're just going to marry one. You know, I haven't dated a scrub recently. I don't think. think. I think I've graduated from scrubs. Hopefully Carrie will graduate from men in their 20s soon. Also, maybe not. Maybe she meets a nice guy in their 20s that's super mature and lovely. I just feel like, you know, a blanket statement of no, because they're in their 20s feels a little extreme. 
I don't know if you wanted to. I wrote down all of Carrie's rules for breakups. Do we want to go through them? Really oh, quick yeah, you should. I wasn't okay. super good about keeping track of all of them. They were just really thrown in there. Yeah. Okay. So the number one rule is destroy all pictures where he looks sexy and you look happy. Yes. I think that's a pretty good rule. I don't think destroy, but like put it in a place you can't find it for a while. In the 90s, like rip it up. I think is a bad idea. You might want to save that. But like like nowadays. Yeah, I was going to say the 2022 version would be like delete it off your Instagram. If you don't want to, you delete it off your Instagram for sure. If you still want to keep the photo, then you put it in like an archive folder. So it's like not popping up all the time. Yeah. Not that I'm speaking from personal experience. No, but I mean, that makes sense. And when I say not that I am, I mean that I am. I know. Personal (laughs) experience. Number two is just lie. What was the context of that again? It was when she was out with the new Yankee and she was, I guess, kind of lying to herself that she was fine. She wasn't thinking about Mr. Big. Got it. Yes, that makes sense. And that one, I think that that kind of tracks because like, even if you are upset at a certain point, you can't just wallow in it. So I guess you kind of have to lie to both yourself and other people. For sure. Yeah. Your friends only want to hear about your breakup so much. Even even supportive ones, right? Like there gets to a point where it's like, all right, you can't use your friends as free therapy. I remember another rule was never stop thinking about your ex because the second you do you'll see them which yep. oof, that one felt real to me it hasn't happened recently like in the last couple of years but when I was in my 20s it was like clockwork like the second I was dating someone else or like moving on with my life that was when an ex would show up that was number four number three is which is very relevant to you I know Megan until okay. emotionally stabilized enter no store yeah shopaholic I'm just, I was being Yeah, I'm very into shopping. No. I mean, I guess that's true for Carrie. Yeah. Obviously, she mentions that the dress she got for the she maxed uh, out her credit show. card. She maxed out her yeah. credit card. And then later she goes on a shopping spree with Charlotte and she has like a ton of bags from like designer stores. So awesome. I don't know what Carrie's credit situation is, but it's pretty toxic example. I really, yeah, I have that and Carrie my problematic to, things too. Clear bankruptcy later because like you can't just live. She's a 30 something year old woman. If you're maxing out your credit card to get a dress that you're going to wear once. Not good. Not good. Okay. I accidentally said four because I forgot about that rule. Was there another one? There's between... the fifth one. The fifth and final one is yes, no matter who one. broke your heart or how long it takes to heal, you'll never get through it without your friends. Yeah. It's not really a rule, but it's a, a None statement. of those were really rules. Not really. But it's some fine advice. It's, it's good bad. advice. Not really rules, but no. I think for the, the purpose of the show. It works. Are we ready to jump into segments or did you have anything else? Yeah, I don't think I have anything else. Do we want to start with nostalgia? Yeah. I have, I have three things. I bet One the same as I have. is Carrie openly smoking at a baseball game. You definitely Ooh. cannot do that anymore. And then mm-hmm. her referencing Giuliani was like such mm-hmm. a late 90s, early 2000s thing. Like, yeah. I think she said the words exactly were like, this is the only place where I can smoke and drink without getting arrested by Giuliani or something like that. For those of you that don't 
like know the history of New York, like eighties and nineties, it was like kind of seen as a pretty seedy place. And Giuliani came in, he was the mayor, right? Mm -hmm. Came in as the mayor and started being really tough on crime and people really credit him with like cleaning up New York. But he also like Times Square used to have like strip shows and things and he Mm -hmm. shut them all down. And yeah, you know, it's controversial, but it is uh, controversial. It is just a very 90s New York, late 90s comment to make. The reference was very funny. And it's funny because like, I don't think, well, I know that I didn't live in New York in the 90s. I'm pretty sure you didn't live in New York in the 90s. Early 90s. I lived in Long Island. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I yes. certainly wasn't smoking and drinking. And uh... I know, but it's like funny because that legacy has like lived on so long that even though like that reference was before both of our time in New York, we both know about it. Yeah. Carrie and the baseball player being on page six of the newspaper is like the 1999 equivalent of showing your ex that you're doing really well through like your Instagram stories now. It is No, it's like, it's like being retweeted by like Gothamist or something. Yeah. I guess to me, it's like, you know, I feel like a lot of people when they break up, like they just start posting like a bunch of Instagram stories because they know their ex is watching. So it's like, you know, look how great I'm doing. Look at all these fun things. The Yankees official account uh, tags Carrie and that guy in their Instagram story. Oh yeah. And then she like puts it to her story. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, oh man, this is like, so like 1999, like showing your ex you're doing well before social media. The other nostalgia thing, just besides the fashion, which we will obviously get to was Miranda's new Palm Pilot. Yes. She was very excited about it. So hard. I have not thought about a Palm Pilot in so fucking long. I remember, I don't know when it would have been. I mean, it would have been late 90s, early 2000s. My aunt, who's like been in corporate America for, you know, quite some time at that stage had a Palm Pilot. And I remember seeing ads on TV for it all the time. And like, I really wanted a Palm Pilot, but like, also I was a child. Like, what the fuck was I going to do with a Palm Pilot? I didn't even have an email at that point. So I was like, wow, that's something I haven't thought about in a very long time. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of some of the other things I had from this episode, the picture Carrie finds of her and big, she -hmm. says that they took with a disposable camera. Wait. Oh my gosh, just those cameras are back though. It's like yeah. $15 to like develop the film though. I was just talking to a friend about that. It's insane. But that's kind of, that's like how I took pictures my whole team yeah. And then pay phones. There's like a bunch yeah. of pay phones in the background where she's breaking up with the Yankee. And then she calls who we later find out to be Miranda on a payphone. I guess people my age, at least, like it seems like something that's still around, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen an actual payphone in years. I haven't either. So I've also fun. never used a payphone. I was so young. Like, who was I going to call on a payphone? I used to have to use the payphone at the mall to call my parents and tell them to pick me up or say, can I stay later? I want to go see another movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know. We just didn't even do the payphone thing. It was just like, this is the scheduled time that we're meeting and I'll meet you there. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to talk about fashion? Yes. Miranda's hair. Wow. 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 <laughs> so nineties. So it's a pixie cut, which like, I think she's always had like a pixie cut, but like yeah. it is styled in a very late nineties, early two thousands way in this episode. It's like, I feel like in every scene, her hair styled slightly differently. And always crazy. 
Yeah. Like it's like managed chaos, you know, like there's some like spikiness here and there, but like, it's very intentional and, you know, it's very angular. It's very like voluminous. And And I had a great time just seeing the different stylings in each scene. When she storms out of the diner, because the gals won't only talk about guys, she's wearing like a blue coat with the crazy hair. And then she has like a weird like extra long blue beanie that she puts on her head. It is a bizarre look. Like it is a choice. With Miranda, she either wears like a very polished suit, which I assume is what she's wearing to work, or she's wearing like giant overalls and like a blue puffer coat. Yeah, actually though, I thought her outfits in the baseball game was pretty cute. Um, She had really cute jeans. They were like straight legs with a cuff, which I liked. Yeah, and I actually liked, she had like a red turtleneck sweat sweater on and like a black leather or like faux leather jacket that had some kind of like designs and then I loved her sunglasses they were like so 90s but like they were so fun and then the other thing that I noticed that I really liked I don't really know how you would describe it it's like when Carrie's on the second date with Joe her outfit like almost looks like a little bit bohemian like she's got like a cute little front braid I like like the side braid not like a true bohemian because it's like a faux fur vest type of thing and like that doesn't feel bohemian I don't know what you would describe it as but I thought that was pretty cute too I love that look at they're like in that's like 1999 Mm-hmm. like little braid kind of like a hippie vibe but not super hippie yeah. yeah so you had said faux fur what do we think all of the women were either wearing actually everybody in this episode were either wearing a fur jacket or a leather jacket except for Miranda's blue puffer but she mm-hmm. was wearing a leather jacket at the baseball game I feel like that's all real stuff because this is 99 I don't know when faux fur starts but I always assumed faux fur because Carrie's broke and like the coat that she wears in the beginning and all last season looks like fake as shit to me. And so like, why would you wear that out every I, day if it's real fur? Carrie's like long brown fur jacket, I yeah. feel like is a vintage thing that she found. Maybe. I don't it know. Looks I think like it's really ugly. And it's really it. ugly. I, she wears it all the time. I don't like it. I feel like the vest could have been faux fur. I remember faux fur was like starting to be a thing because this girl in my third grade class would wear like these faux fur vests and things. And like she had a jacket that had like a really extra puffy faux fur thing around the hood. So I feel like it was starting to be a thing in the 90s. I mean, again, I was a child, so it's hard to say. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have any other fashion takes? So we heard that Carrie maxed out her credit card to buy the dress the that do- she wore yeah, to the, the party. party that dress looked so cheap to me it, it looks really like, cheap oh my gosh you're right like it looked like something that I could make in an afternoon yeah it was like this baby blue dress and just like the way the boob part was like emphasized like her boobs were clearly too big for the dress so it was yeah. like not super flattering just um, like a slip dress and I feel like yeah. the fabric looked cheap it looked really it looked cheap. like a pajama dress I don't even know what fabric you would call it it looks like that fabric that's like kind of scratchy it was like not a really good color on her no and it was also a very 90s color I will say like baby blue was like for whatever reason a really big thing in the 90s 
in the early 2000s and it was just like not a good color on her. Maybe that's what it was. She only had like $20 left on that credit card. So she just went to... She went to h and M. I'm trying to think of what the discount store in New York in the 90s would be. And Deb. Would it be Deb? Dub? Deb? D-E-B? Deb? Oh. Uh, <laughs> rainbow? There was definitely a rainbow. Yeah, rainbow. When I rainbow and Deb. Yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, I guess it's probably... Like a filing basement type of thing. I did think overall, I didn't really care for her dress because I think it was just basic and black. But Charlotte just looked really pretty in this episode, especially at yeah. the Dolce Gabbana party. Her hair was like extra smooth and sleek. She just looked really good. I agree. She looked nice. That's all I have um, for fashion, though. Do you want to start talking about the problematic things? Yeah. AKA Samantha. Okay. I wonder if you noticed this also. So folks, in the last episode of season one, we went on a pretty long tirade about how Miranda is shitty about religion. And she said people that are religious should have to wear a sign. And we were like, hello, the Holocaust. Like you can't say that. So to me, it was very interesting that the first thing that she says in the season is come on Carrie we're going out like you can't be Anne Frank anymore and I was just like Miranda are you anti-semitic like what is going on here that was a dark reference yeah listen I'm gonna look into this is Michael Patrick King Jewish I don't think so that doesn't sound like a Jewish name at all that sounds very Irish I just feel like he should be careful with his writing I'm doing some Googling right now. Mm -hmm. I can't tell, but he's gotten in trouble before for making racially and ethnically insensitive jokes. Not a good look, MPK. If anybody knows anything about the second Sex and the City movie, I can just say he does not get better. Yeah. He, I guess, is trying to justify it by saying that he's an equal opportunity offender. I'll dig a little bit more and come up with an update for next week. We need to know the truth. So that was the first thing to me that I was like, Mm -hmm. that is very anti-Semitic. We talked about this a little bit already, but just like Carrie being incredibly financially irresponsible is like not the best just because, you know, whether you like it or not, like. TV influences you, especially in the 90s. So it's like, stop like showing her like spending all her money and then like making it seem like it's not a big deal. Like if someone else did that, they would be in like financial ruin. But she's living this glamorous lifestyle, you know? It's like the Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing where it's like, oh, she's kooky. She has bad credit. Like, no, Mm -hmm. when you're an adult woman that lives on your own in like your 30s, like, it's not a fun, kooky thing to max out your credit card because no. you want a new dress. It, no, I mean, debt not, is not fun. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't, but they it, make it a little bit too, like, like there's they, no consequences. Right. That's know? what it is. I yeah. don't, I think there's one episode where they sort of address it, but in a very like, but then everything's fine. And I think for most people, if you have that much credit debt, it's like, oh, okay, at some point it's going to hit the fan and it's not going to be fine. And it's going to really suck for kind of a long time. Yeah, for sure. And then the other two things, I talked about this, I think in the recap, but in the talking heads scene, the first guy just saying like, oh, you can't cry because of a breakup. Like just a prime example of toxic masculinity. We don't need to dig into that too much more. And then I think, you know, just the initial 
unsupportiveness of Miranda to Carrie having a broken heart was like a little bit problematic. Did you have anything else, Kristen, besides this? No, I honestly only had Samantha. All right. Are you ready to dig in? Yeah. I'm going to let you take the. Oh, I mean, so we know that Samantha really likes this guy, but she literally keeps talking about how miserable she is. And like at the baseball game, she has part of a hot dog and she shows it to Carrie and she's like, how do you, would you like to have sex with this every night? That was so cringy. Stop saying these intimate, like rude things about this guy to your friends and break up with him or like sit him down and have a conversation about you're not satisfied in your sex life. And if he's not responsive to that, then like break up with him. Yeah. Like, I don't know what she's doing. She's being really, yeah, disrespectful of their relationship and the intimacy of it. And we talked about this the last episode of season one, but I just like, don't think it's okay to talk to your friends specifics about their dicks. It's just not nice. It seems like she's constantly bringing it up. Yeah. We don't need you to hold up a small half eaten hot dog for us to get the picture. Okay. Well then why are you even in a relationship? Exactly. That matters. I was just going to say, it just shows like she should not be in a relationship. Like what? What are you doing here? This is like not what you want. I feel like she's gonna cheat on him in the next episode. I won't tell you what happens. I've already watched it. Oh, okay. But it is interesting. I don't like Samantha in a relationship if this is how she's gonna be. No, she was our favorite character. I know. She was my least favorite in this episode. She was my least favorite in the last episode too. I'm curious to see where it goes from here. Yeah. Um, And then she was also being super gross, like- if it was a dude looking in a locker room of a bunch of naked women, like that's just wrong. Yeah. They were being like, oh, isn't that funny? She's so sick of her boyfriend's small penis that she has to like creep on these hunky baseball players. No, absolutely. This is not related or problematic. It just came to me when you said hunky baseball players. It's very funny because I've been to a couple of baseball games and a lot of baseball players are like notoriously not not in well shape. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I'm like, clearly the only running they do is like the bases. Yeah. Um, Funny if there was just like a portly older guy (laughs) right there. That's very funny. How about things that hold up? I actually have several things, but Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, because I kind of touched on it already. I think the rule of your friends helping you get over a breakup and just kind of the idea of that Carrie's upset and she calls Miranda. Yeah, you're fighting, but you're crying and you're upset and they're there for you. I think that should hold up. That's the way friendship should be. I agree. I mean, seeing your ex again, worrying about seeing them and then you do and then it's very upsetting. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What about you? All of my stuff is related to what you're talking about with like Carrie and the breakup and everything, Mm -hmm. but it's like a little bit more in depth. So like in the beginning of the episode, Carrie's just like very pessimistic about finding love again after her breakup with Mr. Big. And that is just like so relatable. Like you break up with someone and you're just like, fuck, I have to do this again, especially if you didn't want the breakup to happen, you're like literally just convinced, like, I'm not going to find someone better. So 
that felt very relatable to me. And also just the idea of like a quick rebound just to get a little bit of an ego boost sometimes is very relatable also. Yeah. Honestly, the entire concept of this episode, the idea of running into the ex for the first time post breakup so relatable like mm-hmm. as petty as this shit sounds no it makes sense you always want to make sure that you're looking good and that you're like quote unquote doing better than them and like that you're with someone else I know yeah. like literally after a breakup I'm like just in case I have to make sure I look my best constantly because like I cannot be confronted looking terrible right. yeah and like I don't know with this last ex these feelings have chilled out now but like I had this like super fucking toxic fantasy that I would be out with like this new guy that I've been dating and you know he would see us and like he'd see like how good I look now and like you know, I'm with this new guy who's like really cool and like yeah. is successful in all of the ways that my ex has wanted to be successful <laughs> and like hasn't been as successful. Like, you know, like right. a super toxic fantasy, right? Where Somehow like, he would just know what the occupation of your new guy is. Right, so. exactly. <laughs> like we're going to have a conversation and I'm going to be like, this you. person does, like it's right. so toxic. And like, I realize that the reality is, is if that actually happened, it would not give me what I'm actually looking for, which is I want him to just be, you know, devastated. I'm not in his life anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is like not the case, right? So. That felt very relatable to me. But I also think that is the other true piece, right? Like when it actually does happen and manifests, it's not what you were hoping it was going to be. Like you don't get this like feeling of like, ha, I'm doing so much better than that person. You just feel like this brought up some stuff that I was like trying not to think about. And now I'm thinking about it, you know? The other thing was having a nickname for a guy that you're like dating, but not that seriously, like the new Yankee. Yeah. I don't start telling people the name of people I'm dating until we've been seeing each other for like a few weeks because it's like, listen, this person might disappear. You don't need to know their name. Like this is the characteristic so that you can distinguish them from someone else. Right. All you need to know is an identifier. Yeah. So like the new Yankee, I was like, oh yeah, that is like for sure a thing that me and my friends do. We don't need names until Mm -hmm. it's actually worth remembering the name. And then I would say just, we talked about this a little bit, but Miranda just like getting fed up with the girls only talking about men. Yeah. You know, we, we touched on this a little bit, so I won't dig too deep into it, but Yeah, there are some people where it's like, that's the only thing they want to talk about. And you're just like, for fuck's sake, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't care about like the bajillion guys that you're seeing. Like, it doesn't matter. And it's funny that it came up because I literally was just talking with my therapist like this past week and the week before about it's called the Bechdel test. And it's like basically testing if women can talk about anything other than men. So it was funny that it came up this week. That's actually an interesting point. Do we want to start doing this at the end of every episode if this episode would pass the Bechdel test? Oh, Bechdel, not Bechdel. Sorry, I was reading it phonetically. I mean, no episode would pass the Bechdel test. Well, they would just have to have one conversation that doesn't talk about a man. Oh, they only have to have one conversation. It has to have more than one named characters who are female or female identifying and they have to have a conversation about not a man at least two lines 
back and forth that isn't about a man. <laughs> we could we could do that. That I mean, could be fun. To. It, I think I might just start doing it on my own. Also. Yeah. I'm curious if, if it would, because like, I don't think this one does. Yeah. So that's it for things that hold up on my end. I think just more than other episodes, this one was a lot more relatable than some of the other ones we've seen. Um, yeah. And I think it was done well too. Yeah. Agree. Agree. There's obviously still the problematic stuff because it's the nineties and it's, you know, white men writing and directing. Yeah. But I think it was an entertaining episode. With that in mind, let's jump into hero and villain of the week. Kristen, do you want to go first? Yeah. For me, it was pretty easy. Miranda was the hero to me. I think she was the one that arranged the baseball game. She got mad at her friends, but also she was there for Carrie when Carrie needed it. And I I think that any issue that she had in this episode was a flaw and like people are allowed to have flaws. And I think she realized her error and owned it. Mm-hmm. And I think she was the most supportive and <laughs> villain is Samantha because she's obviously a to kind yeah. of everyone. I don't even think she was that supportive to Carrie, which is kind of surprising because she's usually quite supportive. She's usually pretty supportive, but she was just so focused on her own shit that that yeah. was all she would talk about. Yeah. What did you think? I like what you said about hero of the week. I had a different hero and now I'm like reconsidering. Mm-hmm. I said Charlotte. I said, even though her dating roles feel a little bit arbitrary to me, she feels really supportive of Carrie, just like taking her time to process her feelings. Mm, And I think that's a good thing. And, you know, she had the weird interaction with the underwear stuff, but I don't know. Funny. That was more funny than like, she's a villain. So I said, Charlotte, initially when I was like looking at villain of the week, when I was first watching it and I didn't know how it was going to end, I was like, oh, this is a toss up between Samantha and Miranda because I didn't like Miranda's like salty out attitude. And I felt like she was like, the more I watched it, the more I was like, well, I could understand that. I was like, oh, is this like jealousy or like what's going on? But to your point, people are allowed to have flaws and she recognized it and she did kind of, you know, come back and end up being there for Carrie when Carrie really needed her. So the villain to me is clear. Clearly, Samantha. Yeah. For all of the reasons we talked about, she's not respecting the intimacy of her partner. She's being really self involved when Carrie's going through a hard time because of her own issues. And she she's creeping was, on those baseball players. Yeah. She's being a peep and Tom. And that was not cute or fun. No. Uh, agreed. So I didn't like it. What about, how about reviews? So this is the part of the show where we rate the episode overall for the quality of the sex and the quality of the city on a scale from one to five. Kristen, do you want to go first? Sure. So we're adding a new metric this season where we're rating the overall episode. We felt that it was good to add the overall review because sometimes the sex and the city reviews are a little lower, even though we actually like the episode. So for just a little bit more clarity on our feelings of the episode, we decided to add overall. I agree. I'm going to start. So city, I actually give this one a four because they do go to the Yankee Stadium. They are out and about a lot. Some of it is stock footage. They're obviously on the same street in a couple of scenes, which is the thing that they do. But it did feel very New York. We got the Giuliani joke. I think it it was very New York episode. So I'm giving it a pretty high four. Wow. Okay. For sex, I had mentioned we get some like hot 
guy nudity, but it's under the lens of Samantha being creepy. We get a horrible sex scene with Samantha and her boyfriend. And then that's kind of it. So I gave it a one. Wow. And what was your overall review? Overall... I think I'm going to give this episode a three, which it seems kind of low, but I don't want to set the standard of too high. It gets a little negative points just because it's the first one. And I'm going to, I don't really want to compare it to last season too much because it's like better than any episode of last season. Yeah, for sure. We're going with three. I reserve the... Uh, right to later correct it if every other episode in this season is terrible. <laughs> All right. I'm glad that you put that disclaimer in. I think you're going to want to reevaluate after the next episode. That's Uh-oh. all I'll say. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Listeners, for the first time in, I'm sorry, I can't, don't hate me history, Kristen and I have agreed on the sex and city reviews. Oh my gosh. I too gave city a four, a lot of good city footage. We see Yankee stadium. We get a Giuliani reference, very New York sex, a one for very much the same reason. The only sex we did see was Brandon James and it was cringy how she was coaching him. You can tell people what you want sexually without it being so like demeaning, I guess. And the whole thing was just cringe. Like him not knowing why she wanted a vibrator in bed was just like, why, 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 why? I hate all of this. Just very unsexy. And then also she was being a creep, like spying on the men in the locker room. So sex gets a one. My overall review is very in line with Kristen's, but slightly higher. I gave it a 3.5. Because mm. I wanted to give it a four, and then I was like, four feels a little high. bit high, but then I was like, three feels too low. So I went with 3.5. I'm um, spiritual 3.5. I think you are right. I'm going to stick with my three for now, but I, yeah. I didn't really consider the half points for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, uh, it does feel 3.5 y, but we'll, yeah. we'll see. I'd I'd say 3.5. This is the closest we've ever come with our ratings, I think. That's pretty exciting. It is exciting. Well, I think that's all that we have this week. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. We are so glad to be back. We hope that you join us again next week when we talk about season two, episode two, The Awful Truth. I have not seen it yet. Apparently Megan has. She is not super excited about it. But I'm excited to talk about it. But Maybe it's not we will a good have episode. a baby shower episode where I love it and you hate it. So I can almost know. promise you that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to like it now just to spite you. He will want to try and do that and it'll be so bad that you can't. Wow. Okay. Do you hear that? You got to be back next yeah. week to hear about this episode. In the meantime, if you want to reach out to us, feel free to send us an email or follow us on Instagram. You can find our email address and our handle in the show notes. And we hope to see you soon. Yes. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.